So I don't know if you noticed, but there are, there are five commands in the portion that we read. So this sermon's gonna be five commands. Here are five things that are the will of God for you, five things God wants you to do, and then he gives you reasons for a lot of them, and we'll be looking at those reasons as well. Let me just read for you what the commands are. First, do not become partners with them. Then second, walk as children of light. Then third, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And fourth, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And fifth, but instead, expose them. So, five commands. Here's the first. We'll put up verse 7 again. You'll see it in there. Don't be partners with them. So this is the first thing the text says to you and to me today. There are things they're doing. Don't be partners with them. Don't join them in that. Do not team up with them while they're doing that. Keep your distance. Stay away. Don't play on their team. It's the darkness team. Don't be partners. Here's more of what this means. If they're going to do things that are breaking God's commands, don't you go and break God's commands with them. So if they're going to live and live and live for idols, things that they've shoved God off his throne in their heart, and instead they just worship and serve created things. Their life is all about my house and my car and my job and my money and my vacation and my wife and my everything. Don't you be a partner with them in that kind of living. Or if they say, as many humans do say, I'm just going to go ahead and break God's commandment that says don't commit fornication, the broadest term for any kind of sexual immorality. And they're going to go do that. And you say, no, I'm not playing on that team. I'm not going to be partners with them in that. Or they say, we're going to just tell lies. We're going to build a business based on lies. We're going to have a news station based on lies. There aren't any of those, are there? We're going to have, we're just going to do things based on lies. We're going to sell cars using lies. We're going to beat our competitors using lies. They're asking you to lie at the office and lie for the company. And you say, no, I'm not playing on that team. I'm not going to be on the liar team. Or they're stealing. They're stealing from their competitors by falsifying things. They're stealing from people who buy from them by falsifying things. You get the idea. They're stealing. And you say, no, I'm not going to be on, you like this, I'm not going to play for the stealers. Oh, you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Or they're going out and just plain getting drunk. And the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. You say, no, I'm not going along with you in that. I'll tell you what, I'll be the designated driver and get you all home alive. But I'm not going to get drunk. Or they're young and they say, hey, let's disobey our parents. And the Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. But they're saying, hey, let's disobey our parents. Let's do this. You say, no, I'm not going to play on that team. Or they're coveting, coveting, coveting. Their whole life is about, first I want that, and then I want this, and then I want that, and then I want that, and that's life to them. Jesus said, your life does not consist in the abundance of things. But for them, it does. It's all about things that they have, and things that they want, things they enjoy. And you say, no, I'm not playing on that team. I'm going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and God can add all the things that he wants to to me when he's ready. So there's the first commandment. You see it's still on the screen. Don't be partners 
with them. Don't partner up with them in sin. I wonder if there's somebody in this room, and right now the Spirit of God is very loud in your soul and in your consciousness because you know, ooh, that's speaking to me. I've been partnering in sin. Well, don't. Right now is a very good time to draw a line in the sand and to determine I'm not crossing that line of God's command anymore. I'm going to partner with God in righteousness. I'm not going to partner with the world in sin. And now he gives us a reason why not to partner with them. Notice it in in what's on the slide there. Because you were once darkness, but you're now light in the Lord. You were once darkness. Don't partner with them because you were once darkness. That's darkness. Don't go back to that. Don't be again what you used to be. Don't play on the team you used to play on. That's darkness. You've turned from darkness to light. You're a child of the light. You're no longer a child of the darkness. You're not walking in darkness. You're walking in the light. So don't partner up with them because they're going the darkness route. Notice, too, and he only does this here. He says, you are, you were once darkness, and you are now light. Everywhere else he'll say, and other authors in the Bible say something like, well, there is darkness out there. Don't partake of it. Don't let darkness in. Don't don't plunge yourself in. But here he says, you are it. You were darkness. You were darkness personified. Like you could look in the mirror and say that old song, which I hope some of you will still know, Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend. That's you. I was darkness personified. But now you're, you're light. So here's something you need to know about yourself. If you've never turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he may be your God and your Savior, here's God's assessment of you. It's God's assessment. He says, you're darkness. If you're a child of God and you have turned, here's God's assessment of where you were and who you were. You were Darkness. You might have turned when you were very young, too young to remember being in the darkness, but I assure you, ask your parents, you were. You were there. What does this mean? Well, think about this for a while with me, please. So God, creator of the heavens and the earth and all things and gives you life and breath, God has flooded his universe with light. It's beaming light at you. That light is saying, there's a great being who made you. You need to seek him and love him and follow him. You exist for his honor and his glory. You exist that you might know him and love and serve him. There's a great being. All creation is screaming that out you. Psalm 19, you know it, some of you. The heavens declare the glory of God. That's a big heavens. They're all talking. What are they saying? Look at the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Someone has been at work here. I can see that by the amazing design in created things. And then it goes on to say how pervasive is the light. Day unto day utter speech. Night unto night shows forth knowledge. There's never been a day in your life the universe isn't shouting. There's a great God. You should seek him and know him. There's never been a night where the universe isn't shouting. There is no voice nor language where their voice is not heard. Everywhere in all peoples and all times, God floods the universe with natural revelation. People in darkness blink 
and say, I don't see any God. I don't see any light. It's shouting at them. I don't hear anything. But it's not just natural revelation that is God's light. It's also what theologians call special revelation, and that is the Bible, God's word. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? We are made, God made us to be communicators. He made us with brains that are hardwired for language. And from our earliest days, we are able to amazingly easily acquire language and language skills. And then we talk to one another and we listen to each other and we can understand each other. And all of that is but a very small little thing that indicates to us, you are made to hear from God. You are made so he can communicate to you. The most important The fundamental, the greatest use of language is for you to hear the words of God. If you're missing those words, you're missing the great use of language. You're missing the great use of intelligence and understanding. You're created so that you might know the things of God. They're freely given to you in special revelation in the Bible. But you give them a Bible and they blink and say, I don't see any light. Bunch of old stories. I don't want some God telling me what to do. This idea that you were darkness and that they're in darkness is so important. It comes up many times in Scripture. Let me just share three other passages because they shed a little more light on this. Ephesians 4, back up a chapter, verses 17 to 18. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. You say, well, that explains a lot. Like, what's going on out there? How can they be saying and believing the things they are? How can they do the things they do? That explains it. They are darkened in their understanding. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that God's assessment of you, the Bible's assessment of you, this is not mine, this is God's. Don't shoot the mouthpiece. God's assessment of you is you're darkened in your understanding. The things you ought to know about God and heaven and hell and eternity and Jesus Christ and the gospel and saving faith, you don't even know. You're darkened in your understanding. 600 years before Christ, the prophet Isaiah wrote about this. It's actually uh, striking the way he put it. And Jesus Christ uh, refers to this in the New Testament, Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's you if you're in Christ. You walked in great darkness, but you've seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, is that our land? Do we live in a land of deep darkness? It's like, what would have to happen for it to get any deeper? Where could it go? But on them, a light has shown, that's the light of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh God, may you in sovereign mercy and grace shine that light upon our land. But see, this is, this is back in Isaiah. The, what's the problem with people? What's wrong with humanity? They're in deep darkness. When God saved Paul, he spoke to Paul and said, here's what I'm gonna do with you, Paul. You can find this in Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 17b. God says to Paul, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may may receive forgiveness of sins 
and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul, I'm sending you to open blind eyes. I'm sending you that they may turn from their darkness to their light, Paul's testimony. So back to our verse, Ephesians 5, 7. Slide man, please. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Why? Because at one time you were darkness. You were that once, but now you're light in the Lord. A little bit more about the darkness. Here's another thing. Here's a problem with the darkness. Those who are darkness and those who are in darkness, they love it. They love it. Jesus says this, John 3, 19 and 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. Hey, if you're doing something evil in darkness, you don't want somebody turning on the light so your evil can be exposed, so your evil can be seen. So... You love the darkness. That's the problem with people in darkness. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light. Don't turn that light on. I don't want to hear about God, you Christians in your Bible. And they do not come to the light, lest their works should be exposed. And a little more on that theme, 1 Corinthians 2.14, saying on the theme of you were darkness, Paul writes, the natural person. That's the person with factory equipment only. That's OEM, original manufacturer, no, original equipment manufacturer, something like that. Yeah, I got it, thank you. The natural person, I should stick with that. As you came out of your mother's womb, dead in your trespasses and sins, in thick spiritual darkness, that person, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why not? for they are folly to him. Do you have anybody in your life, you love them, you care about them, you want them to come to Christ, and the whole thing is just folly to them? You do, don't you? This is why. They are folly to them, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So natural equipment in its fallenness and darkness is not able to see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is only spiritually discerned. It's not until the Spirit of God opens your eyes and quickens your heart, quickens is an old word for makes it alive, that you can then see and turn and believe. It's spiritually discerned. So, a little more on the darkness. Then we're going to come to the light. Hang in there. A little more on the darkness. So here's where you were before Christ. Before Christ entered your life. You're in a room. And it's dark. There's no windows. There's no lights. There's no candles. There's no lightning bugs. There's, there's not a spark. There's no light. And the room has four walls and a ceiling and, and a floor. And they're all made of poured concrete. There's no windows. There's no gaps. Uh, the poured concrete is 10,000 miles thick. Outside of the poured concrete, God has now turned off the sun, so the moon went out with it. He's turned off all the stars. All the planets are now invisible as well. There's no lightning. He's shut down all the lightning, and you're in the room, and in the room, you've closed your eyes as tightly as you can, and you're holding your hands as tight to your face over them as you can, that's you before Christ. 
That's your spiritual darkness to the things of God before God gives you eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to turn. So don't be partners with that because you know what that is. You've been there. You were that. Don't be partners with that because you were darkness. Let's move on. But now you are light in the Lord. Verse 7 again, please. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. And notice again, it's not, he only does this here. It's not that now you have seen light, now your eyes are open to light, now you have access to light, and all of those, the light is still outside of you. No, he says, so much light has beamed into your soul that you are light. You are now light. You're lit up. God flipped the switch. You're the bulb. Jesus says this over in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. That's a you singular, by the way. Greek has a singular you and a plural you. This is the singular one. He's talking to you as an individual. You are the light of the world. Philippians 2, 15, Paul echoes that, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So don't play on that team. Don't get dragged into that. Don't partner up with them. Why? Because you were that, but now your eyes have been opened and God has beamed his light into your soul. And you are light. Walk as children of light. You are light. How did you come to be light? How is it that you are light? How did so much light get in you that you are light? A couple of verses about that. Hebrews, Hebrews, what is it? 1032, thank you. The author of Hebrews says to these Christians, but recall, think back to the time, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, dot, dot, dot. So what he's saying is, think back to when you were first saved. But instead of saying when you were first saved, instead of saying when you were justified, instead of saying when you believed, he says this, all the same thing. He says, remember back to when you were illuminated. That's when your eyes were opened. That's when the lights came on. That's when God's word went into your soul when you received it for what it is. Oh, this is God's word. And, and he calls that the time when you were illuminated. Many of you can recall that. Man, can I recall that? When the lights started coming on, it was powerful. I was in this little Bible study and Pastor Homer Bowes was opening the word and preaching the law and to bring us conviction. And I was so convicted. I was like a puddle on the floor. I had melted with conviction. And then he started pointing us to Christ and preaching Christ and the cross and redemption. And man, it was so powerful. And I believed that's when I was illuminated. I can remember the room. I know where it was. I could take you to the place. You might not have been that way. You might not know when, but you know you are. By the grace of God, I have been illuminated. And the Holy Spirit opened your blind eyes and beamed the light of the knowledge of Christ in them. Paul writes about this very thing in 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 15. You are light. 2 Corinthians 3, 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. 
not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. The glory of God was shining on his face. It was growing dim. He didn't want them to see it's growing dim. So he veiled himself. Verse 14, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, and to our day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. They can't see. There's a veil. It doesn't let the light through. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Any of you old enough to remember Mr. Magoo cartoons? His eyes would get real big. Yeah, you became a spiritual Mr. Magoo, and your veil was removed, the veil that represents the blindness and the darkness that you were. So let's go back to you in that dark room, and what happens? The concrete is destroyed. All the lights in the universe are turned on. The stadium lights of the gospel are turned on. The Holy Spirit illuminates your heart, and there is just light beaming and flooding into your soul. John Newton's amazing grace, I once was blind. But now I see, and Charles Wesley's, and can it be, here's one great stanza from it. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused, sent forth a quickening, alivening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. And I just want to ask you, have you ever experienced anything like that? Has God beamed light into your formerly sin-deadened soul so that now the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ amazes you, captivates you, delights you, holds you, and now you are light? So quick review. What's Paul said so far? Don't be partners with them. Why? Because you were darkness, but now you are light. So here's the next command that comes out. It is, so walk as children of light. So walk. So now that I've been illuminated, now that I can see, now that God's word gets in, now that it has become my book, and I love the book, and I want what's in the book, now that that's all happened, I want every part of my life to be pleasing and honoring and glorifying to him. I want to walk as a child of light. This is such an important part of the Christian life that John, in 1 John chapter 1, even makes it a mark of whether you're really saved or only say you're saved, only think you're saved. Walking in the light. 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we say... We have fellowship with him. While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, well, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light is a mark of a believer. Now, I want to remind you, no believer walks in the light perfectly. And he goes right on to say, if we say we have no sin, we're liars and the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So don't confuse walking in the light with being sinless. You don't get sinless till the last day, right? 
Till then you're walking in the light, but sometimes you open the window and let some darkness in. And that's when you go to the Lord in repentance. But John says it's a mark of a believer. Going back to Jesus in Matthew 5, but adding more to it this time, Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Have you ever seen a city on a hill? Like I've been blessed to go to Sicily a bunch of times, and once I was there for almost a month. It was a ministry trip. I wasn't on vacation for a month in Sicily. It was a ministry trip. We were helping the church over there. And, man, the, the, there's a mountain, and on top of that mountain, you can see Catania and Caltanissetta, and the church was up there in Caltanissetta. You can just see it from a long way away. Jesus is referring to that kind of thing. Jerusalem was like that. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people, nor did God, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. The house is the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And this is what you want if you're a child of God. Lord, help me to shine brightly as a light for you. This is your prayer. Lord, make, make light shine out of me that people may see and believe on you. And the Bible, as I referred to earlier, it has become your book because you found light in that book. You love that book. Paul goes on to say, here's more, verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Light bears fruit, mixing metaphors, and the fruit is everything good and right and true. That's what you want in your life. And then he goes on to another command, so Ephesians 5, 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, who am I to differ with the translators of the ESV? But I'm going to differ. So the word they're translating there, try to discern, is the Greek verb dokimazo. Dokimazo is translated by oodles of other translations as, but prove what is pleasing to the Lord by your life. Show it and prove it that others may see it. I don't know where they got this, try to discern. It sounds like, well, I'm trying to discern what's pleasing to the Lord, but I don't know. I can't really tell, it's hard to figure it out. No, no, it's not that at all. It's open up your Bible, and see, and then prove in your life what is pleasing to the Lord. And that's what you want. Lord, you've given me light. I just want to be pleasing to you. Amen? Amen. You've, you've given me light. Take my life and let it be, right? So let it be pleasing. If you love somebody... You want to please them. Now you love God. And you love God supremely. With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. So is it any surprise that you want to please him? That's how you want to live. That's why you want to live. Is that you, my friend? Now that you've received light, you want to please him. So we get to another command, Ephesians 5.11. So take no part, and that's just parallel to don't be partners with. So take no part. So there's 
12 of them over there, view them as 12 slices of a pie. Don't go over there and be slice number 13. Don't be a part. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Ah, now he throws in unfruitful because he just talked about the fruit of the light is everything good. The, the works of darkness are unfruitful. They deceive, they lie, they claim they'll bear fruit in your life. Come to me. We'll make things good. We'll make you happy. Your life will become better. Lies. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Here's the next command. But instead, expose them. Expose them. Don't partner with them. Expose them. Shine light on it so what they're doing it gets identified as sin. So don't be silent. Don't hide the light because shining it might diminish your social credibility or your wellness at work. I'm not saying you have to be boorish, and anytime somebody at work does something wrong, you stand up on the desk and start preaching hellfire and brimstone. I'm not saying that. But don't hide the light in order to save your own social cred because you love yourself and you don't want your credibility to diminish because you want other people to speak well of you. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. If you are light in the Lord, and if you're shining the light as you ought to, there are going to be some people who aren't really happy with you. If you're working out in the world around a whole bunch of people, and none of them's unhappy with you, you might not be shining much light. If you're so tactful, so winsome, so nuanced, you're probably hiding the light to be liked by men to win the favor of men, get a spine, shine some light, be prepared to be identified with them, the people of God, bear the reproach, be like Moses. Look at Hebrews 11, 24 and 25 with me quick. How was Moses? By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh was the most wealthy man on the planet. He was also the most powerful man on the planet. And Moses could have been his grandson. Not a bad gig. Moses said, no, thank you. I'll go out and be a hick. They viewed shepherds as hicks. I'll go out and be a hick for the Lord, I'll go out and be with God's people, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Are you willing to be like Moses? Are you willing to shine light even though you'll be mistreated? You might not get the position. You might not get the promotion. You might even lose your job, it just depends. But don't go through all kinds of contortions trying to render your faith as palatable to everybody as possible. Don't live in terror that somebody might think you're one of them. And these people, now you're going to hear about something that irks me. There, there are evangelicals who have so positioned themselves that what they do is, here's a phrase that's being used about them. They punch right and they coddle left. 
The Christians that are right of them, oh, I'm not, they're eager to, I'm not like them. I'm not that kind of Christian. Fundamentalists. So in one sense, I'm proud to be a fundamentalist. I hold to the fundamental core doctrines of the faith. And in another sense, I don't want to be a fundamentalist if what they mean by that is, you know, the cultural thing, no fun, too much damn, and not enough mental. That thing. But there are people who are like, they're desperate because they want the New York Times to print their article. And so they're like, oh, I'm not that kind of Christian. I want to be that kind of Christian. I would expect the New York Times, if I was worthy of publishing an article, that, that they would say, no, not him. Would Moses have gotten published in the New York Times? Would the Apostle Paul, would Jesus have gotten published in the Jerusalem Times? Yeah, I don't think so. Proudly take your place among the ranks of the people of God. Proudly let your light shine. Expose some darkness. Man, that reminds me of something, that phrase, expose some darkness. This will help you to picture it. So when we first got married, we lived in an apartment complex in Lanham, Maryland. It was called Hamilton Gardens. I looked it up on the web the other day. There it is. There's pictures of it. There's where we lived in those windows right there. It was kind of cool to see it. It looked as impoverished as it ever did. We moved there because I was a student. We didn't have much money. It was the cheapest place we could find, Hamilton Gardens. And here, I'll just go ahead and tell you, there were roaches in that apartment, man. And here's what would happen. You'd spray and the roaches would move upstairs. And then they'd spray and the roaches would come back downstairs. So it was like this roach game. Who's got them today, right? Upstairs, downstairs, three floors, up, 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 down, down, down. But Debbie and I made, we made a sport of this. So when we noticed, uh-oh, roaches are showing up in the kitchen, we'd get two cans of whatever the spray was, and we'd go out there in the middle of the night, it's all dark, the roaches are hiding in their darkness, doing their evil deeds, and I would have the cans ready, like I'm Clint Eastwood, man, I'm ready. And she would flip on the lights, and I would go, psh, 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 psh. That's an illustration to say, flip on some lights in your world. Expose some darkness. Let's finish out with Paul. Verse 12, please. Last slide, I think. For it is shameful even to speak of those things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So let me review, what were the five commands? Because I didn't make it real clear as we went. Here they are. Don't be partakers. Walk as children of light. Show what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So are you light in the Lord? Have you known all the way through this sermon? That is absolutely me because Jesus Christ is my God and my Savior. Well, then bless you. Walk as a child of light. Let it be visible. I don't mean you need to be dumb and out of place with this, but let it be known. Let it be visible. I'm a child of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm not going, God. Don't just say, well, I'm not going to the bad bar with you because I have to be home. No, man, you didn't shine any light. Shine some light. I'm not going, guys, because you know that's, that's wicked. Use that word. That's immoral. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, I find it tempting, but no, I'm not going. 
Shine some light while you're talking to them. Don't be partakers. Are you a light? Are you ready to shine some light in your world and lose some social cred? Are you ready to be thought one of them? Proudly be one of them. Jesus was one of them. He bore his reproach outside the camp and they hung him up on a tree and mocked him and spat upon him. Are you willing to be mocked? Are you willing to be spat upon? Or do you need to be respected and loved and adored? Will you commit your heart to the Lord Jesus that he may give you light? Let's pray for help in this. Father, thank you for bringing us to these portions of your word and to this time and place. And we pray now that your word will go in deeply into our hearts, that it will have its intended effect. We pray that you would draw some men and women and boys and girls here and listening whenever and wherever online. Draw them to yourself, O oh God. Would you turn on the floodlights in the souls of some who are gathered here with us? Lord Jesus, look upon our boys and our girls. Have mercy upon them. Not all of them are in Christ. We plead with you, our Father, that you would graciously open their eyes and shine in the light of Christ. And Lord, help us to be forthright and bold Christians, gladly, publicly identifying with you, with our Savior, the Lord Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Graciously use us, we pray, that others may be saved. For we ask all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you like to talk to a Cornerstone pastor? Well, one of our pastors would love to talk with you. How can you set that up? Just text the word pastor to the number that's on the screen. We'll be reaching out to you. Pastor Stan, lead us in communion, please. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for that message. Great message. And good afternoon, everyone. As we come to the table of communion, let's remember that this is a great privilege. It's not an empty event or an empty exercise. It is a spiritual event commanded by our Lord Jesus Christ. And the purpose is to remember the beauty, the kindness, the greatness of our Savior in making his life a sacrifice on our behalf. All who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to join us at this table. If you fail to pick up elements, you can find them in the back. Today, our communion meditation is from John chapter 15, verse 5, where Jesus said these words, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This verse highlights the sustaining power of our Lord Jesus Christ. The metaphors indicate that we are totally and utterly dependent upon him for all things. And Jesus encourages us to abide in his love. This is a reminder that Jesus' death not only saved us, but it sustains us. The reason that I'm here today is because of Christ. The reason that I have any desire for the Word of God is what? Because of Christ. He sustains us. 
and he has given us the gift of the Spirit of God to help us. So in Mark, Mark write these words, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Then Jesus said, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So we have a lot to look forward to. Justin. Hello, everyone. Um, My name is Justin. I am the youth pastor here at Cornerstone. And uh, thank you all so much for being here this morning. It's always a blessing to gather together. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you are new here this morning, if this is your first time here at Cornerstone, welcome. Uh, We're so happy that you're here. We want to encourage you to check out our connections desk right outside here in the foyer. Um, But also, uh, text the word new to the number on the screen if you're new here, and uh, we would love to connect with you that way. So please uh, do that. Uh, Also, real quick, just want to just give one quick announcement, and uh, it's in regards to our women's conference coming up uh, this November in just a couple weeks. So, uh, ladies... um, When reading the Bible, if maybe you've had the sense of what you're reading, there's a deeper and uh, more significance to what you're reading, and and you're just not able to quite figure that out. If that's 